Good morning again. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, it's good to, to be here and it's good to be able to, to share with you this morning. Um, and we're actually continuing a series which David started two weeks ago called Common Ground. And um, the, the series is, the, the idea of the series is kind of like this. So as the year starts, you know, and we, we start to get into the swing of things, we're in February already, halfway through even. And it's important, I think, and valuable for us to take a moment as a church and ask, what exactly is the church all about? Uh, what exactly are we doing here? What's our common connection and our common purpose as the church? And so in this series, that's what we're doing. We're sort of exploring um, those sorts of questions to understand what holds us together here as God's church. Because I think in our day and age, we can have too small a view of what the church is. Um, we, we often find ourselves at a church because we went along and the people loved us, we loved them, and before you know it, you're a part of a church community. But, um, but it's also really important for us to consider what did God intend when, when, he, um, when he built his church? Um, and, and to think about whether we're living up to that. Um, if the church is, is a social club for you, then you have to ask, is that what God meant it to be? Because we don't want to miss out on what God is wanting to do through us just because we have a, a poor understanding of who we're supposed to be in the first place. Does that make sense? Um, so if you're thinking, oh, yeah, well, what is church? Um, you know, and you might go, well, churches are, are charitable organizations. And, and that's, that's true. That's right. You know, you go around the world, churches tend to be charitable places, you know, and, and they're often doing um, good, good deeds around, um, around their neighborhoods. But, but church is also way more than that. So if that's all you think church is, then, then you're missing something. Uh, if you think, oh, well, churches are just communities of friends. Um, well, I hope this is a community of friendship for you. But we're also way more than that. When you think of the church, it's beyond that. We're a place of worship, yep, but we're more than that too. We're not just a place to come on Sunday and that's it. Um, we're also more than a holder of shared Christian traditions and values. You know, So maybe you think, oh, it's just a place where we come and we get reminded of our, our Christian values. That's true, but it's not all that we are. So really, like, there's a deep mystery at the heart of the church because the church was, was created by God. And so um, what is at the heart of the church that holds us together? That's, they're the sorts of questions we're going to ask. Another, another thing that's a bit of an issue in our day and age in terms of church is that we can have a, a fairly consumeristic approach to church. So many of us come to church because maybe we've got a bit of an issue in our life where we're looking for a breakthrough, you know. Um, something's missing and so we come to church because we want to say, God, please help me. Please help me sort this out. And, and that's great. That's, that's what the church is here for. But the church isn't just here to help you get back on your feet. We're, we're together here, not just as individuals 
trying to get our needs met, but we're together because it's, it's actually in that togetherness, it's in that community that we believe God is working. So what I mean is that church is about being a united body of people and, and when, we, when we actually have that unity, then, then we're able to express God's love. We're actually we're, 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 um, spoken of in the Bible as being, we, we're, we're showing Christ to the world. Okay, so there's this unity at the heart of, of church. Um, and, and it's through that that we're able to bring a message of healing and of hope to others. It's not just us. It's not because we're special but it's because when we're united, God's working through us. So we don't just go to church, we are the church. And it's only possible to become the church when we have unity. Um, and so today I want to talk a bit more about this idea of unity. Just um, one, one verse from the Old Testament, which, which I think is worth bringing up at this point, um, is from Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet. And, and so this is well before Jesus' time. But Jeremiah spoke some words of prophecy for the future, which I believe uh, that, that this prophecy was fulfilled when the church began. So Jeremiah says this, They will be my people and I will be their God. So he's talking from God's perspective. And I will give them one heart and one purpose, to worship me forever for their own good and for the good of all their descendants. So you see that there's one heart and one purpose that's given to us from God. In our, um, in our scripture reading that I'm going to refer to a bit today, um, it's from Ephesians and it's a different passage to the, to the reading that, um, that John read this morning. So um, let me just give you a little bit of background on Ephesians. So Paul was in prison, as he often was, not because he was a bad guy, but because he was going around sharing the good news of Jesus and it had a way of shaking things up in, pe- in the town, the towns that he was in. Some people didn't appreciate the changes that happened as a result of the good news of Jesus being shared. So Paul was in prison and he takes this opportunity to write to the church in Ephesus, um, which is a town um, on sort of like in modern-day Turkey, Okay. And the purpose of the letter was to describe the bond, that bond of unity that God has formed with us through Jesus to make us his people, to make us the church. So the first, it's a six-chapter letter, and the first three chapters, kind of they, they talk a lot about what God has done for us. And then the second half, so starting in chapter 4, it focuses in more on, so what do we need to do? Like, what's a worthy response from God's people? What does that look like? So my, my passage this morning is the start of Ephesians 4. Let me read it to you now. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have, been rece- um, you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, 
one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Pretty inspiring, I reckon, that, that passage. Lots of ones in there, you'll notice. You know, one spirit, one hope. Um, so, you know, hopefully you're getting the idea of unity. And, and he also speaks a fair bit about this idea of calling. Um, so we, we live a life, he's asking us to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. God calls us together in unity. And the first way that he does that is he gives us a common purpose. And that common purpose is following Jesus. Okay? So he's saying, um, Paul's saying here, because you'll, you'll have to go home and read Ephesians because I don't have time to go through the whole book or anything. But he's saying, you've heard the glorious things that God has done through Jesus. And he's explained all that in chapters 1 to 3. And then he's saying, so now let's, you know, let's do it. Let's be the church. Let's live a life worthy of this calling that God has given us. God's calling us to himself. Now, in the first five centuries of the church, okay, so the early church, you call it, people understood Christianity primarily as a way of life. Okay, It was a way of life. The, the hope that they shared was not just a system of belief, wasn't just something that you read about, um, and it wasn't about just going to, to a service once a week. It was more like an apprenticeship in following Jesus. Okay, So if you said, I'm a Christian, people would say, okay, your whole life is dedicated to following Jesus. And, and that was lived out in their everyday life together. So when followers lived out Jesus' teachings, Christianity changed and improved people's lives. And, and it served kind of like a, as a spiritual pathway, a practical way of, of life um, that was a spiritual pathway for them. And this way, this way of life, remember that the early Christians, they were actually called the people of the way. So, so there was a way of life. It made existence better for them, you know, for, for, all, for all those countless believers. There was one, one guy called, and he's known as Justin Martyr. Okay, he's known to us as Justin Martyr. Um, and he, he wrote some things down. So he's kind of like one of those few people that you can read, um, who's from the early church, who, who wrote things that you can now read. And, and he talks about the way that Jesus' way, the way of life following Jesus, it mended lives. Okay, that was his, his words, it mended lives. And, and he, he goes on to describe it here. So let me just read it. I think it should be up on the, on the screen. We who formerly valued above all things the acquisition of wealth and possessions now bring what we have into a common stock and communicate to everyone in need. We who hated and destroyed one another and on account of their different manners would not live with people of a different tribe. Now, since the coming of Christ, live familiarly with them and pray for our enemies. So that, that was his way of describing Christianity. Pretty interesting, isn't it? As Justin puts it, for the early church, a new way had opened through Jesus. Christianity was an inclusive way of life that brought diverse people together in a way that had never happened before. And so it was transforming people. It was giving men and women, rich and poor folk, free and slave, 
Jew and Gentile, all those people, a meaningful way to reorder their lives together. The way all sorts of folks that were previously enemies were included in God's family is is one of the most remarkable things um, about the early church. And um, Paul in in Ephesians has a, a real sense of wonder at this. So Jews and Gentiles, if you were a Jew, you, you would never even think about stepping into a Gentile's house um, because there was all these rules um, and, and they, were, they were considered unclean. And so listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the Son, the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So when, when Paul in our in our Ephesians 4 reading, says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one, or in, one another in love. He's not just saying, be nice, you know, be nice to each other. He's talking, they, these guys, are, they've, they've lived as enemies and now all of a sudden they're together and they're friends and they're, they're, they're a community and they're calling themselves God's people, the body of Christ, you know. Um, and, and so that's, that's no small feat that they would humble themselves, be gentle with one another, be patient, bear with one another in love. What a beautiful picture of the church united. So the church is united by a shared way of life. And I guess that we have to ask ourselves as the church, is what we see in churches today, the sort of thing that swept the world like wildfire in those early centuries? And um, and, and we have to say, maybe not, you know. Um, and so that's a big challenge for us. Unity of the church, though, it's, it's not just in our common purpose. Um, there's another, another aspect that I want to talk about this morning um, because, you know, I'm sure you're aware that there's, there's lots of things that we might decide, let's all come together and do this. And you might do it for, for years or even centuries, but, but things die away. Um, and so there's, there's a unity in the church that is not just from us. It's not our, just our common purpose. Um, what I call it is the miracle at the heart of the church. Okay? And that miracle is the personal presence of God with us, the Holy Spirit bringing unity to God's people. So we, so we have a, a unity in a shared purpose following Jesus and that's a real challenge for us that we that we need to we need to look at the way the early church did it and consider are we are we are we living a life worthy of God's calling but we also recognize that there's this unity in the holy spirit so um that second yep there it is on the screen in our in in our verse sorry in our chapter Ephesians 4 chapter it says Paul goes on make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So the Holy Spirit is key to Christian unity. And even though it's God's gift to us, 
and it's it's God doing that, we also seem to need we need to to guard it or or make every effort to keep it, um, as Paul says. God's spirit is poured out onto us to bring us together, to strengthen us, to empower our um, empower all genuine Christian life and experience. So Holy Spirit is kind of like spiritual glue, okay, for us and for our way of life. Listen to the way that the early church speaks about the Spirit interacting with them. If you read the book of Acts, it's kind of like Gospels the sequel, you know? Um, like, you know how in, when there's a movie, yeah, it's like Gospels 2. You know, Jesus is, Je- Jesus is now living within the church and, and it's all about the, the people of the church um, in their early days. And this is, what, um, this is the sorts of things that they talk about. They say things like this. You will receive power when the, Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So there's a, there's a power from the Holy Spirit. Acts 4.31. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So the Holy Spirit gave them um, courage. Acts 11.12, the Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me and we entered the man's house. So again, the Spirit really guides in a very specific way. I want you to go with them. By the way, that's the context there is that it's Jews going into a Gentile's house and they would only do that because the Holy Spirit told them to because everything about their background said don't do it. Acts 13.2, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So they actually heard the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to set apart these particular people and and I've got a task for them. Acts 13.52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit brings joy to them. Acts 15.28, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. So that's a bunch of church leaders and they're saying, well, it seemed good to us and when we asked the Holy Spirit, it seemed good to him. And so there's a, there's, there's a real kind of obvious communication going on there. Acts 22, 20, and now compelled by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. And then the last one from Acts 20, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So there's, can you see how the, the church, as it began, the Holy Spirit was, was the one that, that led them, that guided them, that um, gave them strength, that told them things to do. And there was a real toing and froing between the church and the Holy Spirit. What sort of expectation do you have that you will communicate with the Holy Spirit this morning? Like when you came to church, were you thinking, I'm looking forward to hearing from the Holy Spirit? Or have you never had an experience of like that before in your life? Going, going by, by our, our scriptures, we'd have to say, oh, if, if we never have an experience of hearing from God's Spirit, then maybe there's something that, that is, is wrong with our church. Um, so the church is united together by following the way of Jesus we talked about that, a lifestyle that's shared 
and that's distinctive and wonderfully transforms enemies into friends. The church is also united together by the Holy Spirit, God's personal presence dwelling in us, among us, leading and guiding and empowering. Um, we have to admit that it's a, it's a big challenge for us, I think, here. Um, if you're like me, the hearing what I've just said, it makes me yearn for more. It makes me yearn for, for more in church. Um, I, I yearn for a deeper sense of, of having a shared way of life that brings real transformation to people. You know, wouldn't that be fantastic to be a part of? Um, I also have a sense of, oh, I, I really want to experience the Spirit more tangibly. Um, I, I, want, I want to have a sense of God's joy and peace and provision and for it not to just be this thing that we talk about but we don't really know if it's really happening, um, you know? So, so those are, those are, this is the challenge that I want to bring before you today in terms of church unity. Now, the Churches of Christ, because, you know, we're, a, we're Northern Community Church of Christ, and, and that's, that's the church tradition that we're a part of, they, they have a few things that I reckon can help us, okay? Um, and so to, to close my, my sermon today, I'm, I'm just going to give you two applications that are really at the heart of who we are as Churches of Christ. Some of you have a long Church of Christ tradition and will know a lot about the Churches of Christ. And others of you have come here because you like who we are and you don't know a lot about it. So it might be good for you to, to have a little bit of new understanding too. But Churches of Christ, we have a, our historical roots um, back to the turn of the, eight, of the 19th century, okay? So a bit over 200 years ago. And those people, they were also asking this question, what is the church anyway? What exactly is it? Um, how, how can we be true to, to, who, to how God wanted the church to be in the first place? So members of the Church of Christ, they weren't trying to start a new church. They weren't sort of going, hey, we don't like any of the other churches, we're starting our own. Instead, what they were saying is, we don't like that we're all separating ourselves, whether we're Catholic, whether we're Anglican, whether we're Presbyterian, and there seemed to be like a kind of layer of, of uh, I guess, just politics that, that was getting in the way of being the church. And so they said, let's see ourselves simply as Christ's church. Okay, so we're the church of Christ. Not meaning other churches aren't the church of Christ, but we're just trying to say, we just, we just want to be the church, for goodness sake. Do you know what I mean? That, that was, that was the, the idea of, of Churches of Christ. And so the Churches of Christ grew and it was a converging of Christians across those denominational lines, which I reckon is a sign that the Spirit was there because whenever you have enemies becoming friends, um, you know that, that there's something good happening and there's something from God going on. So they began as a movement aiming to restore the church to what it was originally like when God established it on that wonderful Pentecost day way back um, 33 AD, all right? So that, that was their idea. That was the, the passion that came from, from this, this movement, the Churches of Christ. How has the Churches of Christ tried to live out this unity? Um, well, as we consider um, how we might respond to today's message, let me just give you those two 
um, Church of Christ applications. All right, so the first one relates to um, to the, the, the first bit of unity that I was talking about, about following Jesus together. For Church of Christ, a vital ingredient of true renewal in the church is to restore its commitment to New Testament Christianity. Okay, so when we read in the New Testament about the church, we, we read, um, you know, that, that's, there's a sense in which, I mean, there's lots of problems going on in the early church, so don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's perfect back then and it's not perfect now. There were so many challenges, but we, we, get, a, we get a sense of, of what the church was intended to be, okay? And so this, there's this need for us to, to, to know our Bible and to explore it and to, um, to really get into it. In every age, there's a particular way that the church expresses itself. Um, it's kind of like the, you know, every, every church, you look through history, it looked different because it was part of a different culture. But there's also this core essence of what the church is that we need to, to look at. And Churches of Christ said, hey, look, we're in search of, of a return to New Testament Christianity because we, we want to be able to restore that core essence of the church by returning to to new testament christianity we can follow jesus and better understand this shared way of life without getting bogged down in traditions in politics in cultural expectations Um, we can just be be more dedicated so we devote ourselves to scripture but we don't just like we read it yeah and we question it and we wrestle with it but we don't Treat the Bible like a book to learn, you know, just in case there's an exam at church. Like imagine if one day you came to church and there was tables and chairs and you had to do a, an exam, a Bible exam or something. Sometimes I think we read the Bible that way. We're like, oh, I know my Bible. I can, I can recite this bit and that bit. And that's great. But if we really know it, then that means we're performing it. We're improvising it. Where we've we've brought it from a book into real life, okay? Um, and so our aim is not just to be really good people who know a lot about the Bible. That's really important, but it's to live it out, to express it in the way we live together, okay? And so, like I said before, and like the early church did, we need to consider how we can be apprentices. Um, in the way of Jesus. And really the, the most obvious thing to me is that Christians best mature in living their faith when they're doing it together in a church community where we can observe, we can question, and we can work with, with maybe more mature Christians um, in a range of concrete situations. So things like going along to small group, you know, um, being a volunteering and being a part of, part of the church, or just even like, you know, meeting with fellow church folk and talking about your faith and, and asking questions. Those are the sorts of things that can really help us to, to be more united and to consider ourselves as not just going to church, but being the church, being apprentices in the way of Jesus. The second um, thing to bring up is that we're with the churches of Christ, you know how, like, the different churches, they all call themselves denominations, okay? Because we all understand we're, we're part of the Christian church. So there's the church universal, but there's all sorts of 
different traditions. And so, you know, whether you're Anglican or whatever else. And um, Churches of Christ, we say, hey, look, we don't... Sure, we might look a bit like another denomination, and sometimes we do look like just another denomination, but we call ourselves a movement, okay? And that might just seem like playing with words, but the reason why we do that is because um, we want to acknowledge that without the Spirit moving in us, we can't be the church, okay? And so even um, when we're a movement, it means that we're always keeping at the forefront that we haven't figured it all out. We haven't got it all tied down in our traditions, but we're actually participating in a mystery that's bigger than ourselves. God knows the big picture, but unless we stay sensitive to the Spirit's leading, then we will lose our way and we will all wander off in our own directions thinking that we know best. Okay, And so to be Spirit-led, it requires us to stay humble, also to, to listen and to be sensitive to what God is saying to us as a community and as individuals. The aim is, is not, the aim of church, it's not about just running successful programs so we look good, we feel good about ourselves. Um, that's, that's not it. It's about becoming a people of character in God's likeness where we honour each person and their God-given potential. So, um, Sometimes the Holy Spirit is leading us not about what activities to run, whether we do this thing or that thing in the church, but the Holy Spirit is leading us in how we do things, um, the way we treat people, the way we respond to certain things. So can you see how those two applications can really help us get started in building a sense, a bigger sense, stronger sense of church unity? We, If we commit to being in search of a return to New Testament Christianity, knowing our Bible, but also living it out together. And lastly, recognising that the Spirit is at the heart of the church and um, and, and he is is wanting to hear from us and he's wanting to to talk to us. And so um, that's my challenge for us today, is um, to be a church that is unified. Um, Let's... let's move ourselves forward in those two areas. In our, in our time of response now, uh, we're going to move into a time where we respond. And for those of you who haven't been here before, the, it, there'll just be about five minutes and there'll be some, some music playing. And now's the time to get out that response card if you haven't already got it out. And um, I just encourage you to, to spend the time prayerfully and just ask God, what is it you're telling me today? Maybe there's something in, in what I've said today that's, um, that's speaking to you and, and where you feel you want to respond. Or maybe it was something else in the service, um, the prayer or, or the, the communion. Anything that's where God's spoken to you today, you can, um, you can write down something. The reason why we collect those is because um, as, a, as a ministry team, we love to be able to pray for you. Um, so feel free to put that in the um, offering bowl which will go around during our last song Um, but yeah if you don't want to that's okay as well so here's here's four questions that can help you in your response time first one is how am i challenged by the way the early church lived together with one purpose perhaps that's a been challenging you this morning next one what areas of your life 
need to be yielded to the Spirit's leading. Perhaps there's an area of your life where you're thinking, oh, the Holy Spirit wants, wants um, to, to guide me there um, in, a, in a stronger way. What step can I take to building a greater sense of unity in our church? Is there something that you can do that, that can help um, connect us together more effectively? And lastly, where do I need to shift my thinking from how my needs can be met at church to how I can be part of God's great vision for the church? Those are some questions. You don't have to answer them all, but just they're just to kind of get you thinking. All right, thanks, and we're going to go into our time of response now.